Everybody was kung fu fighting. Sure. <laughs> it's it's insane because right when the clock starts ticking down three two one, I'm like think of something, think of something, think of something, and then it goes, and I get everybody was kung. That's okay. Sure. <laughs> I swear to God, almost every intro is either some kind of musical rendition of something, right? You could be like, welcome back, welcome back. Or we went through that phase where we were radio hosts on the axe. And so it just kind of, I don't know, I feel like we bounced between the two. Yeah, I would like to see in the digital archive back in the day, like once we have a bunch of episodes to kind of see our phases of um, how we Progression, intro. our progressions. Yeah. Mikey, let's get on that for the pod. What are you watching? We're back. You got it, Mikey. In turn, take the notes and uh, let's get to the episode, huh? Sure! Everybody was kung fu fighting. Those kids were fast as lightning. In fact, it was a little bit frightening. But they fought with are back back to back weeks um i am danny the wine man here with my i don't know what to call you i'm gonna call you co-star cohort cohort co-star peer yeah um, the regis to my philbin or regis to my kelly kelly or kelly to michael strahan hoda to coda jenna hoda to jenna um american idol to simon cow salt to my pepper it's Hunter the Consumer, also known as Hunter Hand. Hunter Hand. Yeah, Hand. it's starting to really catch. It really flows. I it really how, flows. It does. I liked when I was doing the closed captions for the video, and I just went H period A period A period N D, all caps. It, it really stood out. You think people are going to start asking, what does it stand for? It's like Hand is humanly abominable, adapting, never depressed. <laughs> I love Hunter it. Hand. No, I love it because it's like at first you're just Hunter Hand from the Iowa Troop, but when you get to Hollywood, you have to <laughs> the change Iowa your, Troop. The Iowa Troop. You have to change your last name to something insanely liberal, right? Like uh, Meta World Peace and his freedom, Hunter <laughs> Hand. It doesn't change, but now you tell people it always stood for something, you know, like hate crimes against anti, <laughs> yeah. you know, whatever, like defamation leagues. Yeah. Um, I like, I, I kind of like the idea of going over the top. I'm Hunter environment, right? Or like <laughs> my name is Hunter green, new deal, you know, just something like that. Really just put it out there. Yeah. Hunter fuck the president. Something's just <laughs> yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah, that is good hand. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we're back, back to back weeks. Last week we had a guest on this week. We're also going to have a guest on in a little bit. That will be second time we would have. Recurring guest star. Yes, uh, Ben, who came on to talk about Dune. He will be coming on to talk about HBO's latest hit that just came out this past Sunday, first episode, The Last of Us, starring Pedro Pascal. Mm. Um, and Bella Ramsey. Bella Throw Ramsey. in there, Thank too. You. Thank you very much. And I forgot her name for a second. Um, it's based off a video game. Ben played the video game. He will come on the episode to chat about episode one, to talk about the show, the game in general. And... Um, me and Hunter will be doing it each week at the end of the episodes. We'll be recapping all of the Last of Us episodes as they come out. So stay tuned yes. for that if you watch HBO 9 o'clock releases primetime slot. Primetime slot. It's They got to be heavy hitting bitches, right? The, the Sunday night, the Sunday 9 o'clockers where they're rolling out the big guns. And the Last of Us is 
is trying to prove why they belong there. So come with us on this spiritual journey through a fungi invested world. Yeah, we're not going to get into it now, but it definitely belongs in the nine o'clock slot. 100%. Yes. Um, I love HBO's nine o'clock slot. I will love watching shows every Sunday night as they come out. If you miss it Sunday night, you just watch it Monday. It's a good way to start your week. It's the best way to do TV personally, mm -hmm. personal preference. And once, once Sunday night football is over, which I think was this last week, the last time they're actually doing the eight o'clock Eastern time NBC Sunday night football is that that's the end of right? This last wild card weekend. That's the end of that. I, uh, there's two Saturday games and isn't there a Monday night game again? I don't think there's a Monday night game. Okay, well, just ir ir irregardless, mm -hmm. you have no excuse to not watch for the most part on Sunday night. Yeah, starting and, now. And football's wrapping up, so it's going to be really nice to have The Last of Us kind of roll in. And then also rolling in, I think it's going to overlap with The Last of Us. Coming out in March, new trailer just dropped on Monday Night Football. Mandalorian Season 3. Um, kind of forgot about it for a second. Uh, yeah. Trailer looked awesome. Did you yeah. watch it? Thoughts? Looked great. I did. I did watch it, and it looks pretty good. I, I will say so. You know that I'm way more of an Andor guy because I think Mandalorian sometimes gets a little cheesy, but it actually looks pretty good. Of course, I'm going to watch it. I'm excited for it. The trailer, I, I forgot it was dropping, and when it came on, I was like, whoa. Yeah. So that was cool. And and I really like – we talked about it when we broke down Andor, but the more I think about it, the more I couldn't agree more with my own point, which sounds – Arrogant? Yeah. Uh, yeah, very Gassed much Gassed so. up? Yes, anymore. No, I, I don't want to bury you too hard. We're only five yeah. minutes in. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but after getting Andor, it makes Mandalorian so much better. And I got excited. I saw the lightsabers. I saw it's Order 66. We're going to get more of that growth yes. in the force. More Mandalore lore. I, I More shitty, not shitty, cool Star Wars puppets, monster alien looking things. And it's just like, yeah, I can't wait to watch that. Sit on my couch with my parents and like kick back and enjoy the show so it's actually, good family fun it is it is we all need some of that honestly um, yes yes and i um and also coming up in the episode we will be reviewing the menu um which honestly came out relatively recently it released november 18th um it's been on hbo for a couple of weeks now so it was, it was yeah. a quick flip time totally um but I don't think it's because it flopped. I don't know what the deal is. But I do want to say this. I thought about this. I think that might be the future of how to do movie theaters and streaming. Yes. That's well, that's what it seems, the direction it's going, right? Netflix has kind of started that. But now I think we're seeing more Warner Brother HBO put-togethers of the same exact idea. Two to three weeks in select, select theaters or majority theaters – you go for the experience, and if you don't want to see it, it's right out on it's right out on your streaming service. Yeah, because it's like, all right, I, I want to watch this movie while it's still hot, right? I don't want to have to wait six months and be like, the menu, ah, you know. But if I want to see it in theaters, I will and I can. And it's not like I have to pick between HBO or the theaters. It's just in the theaters for the time. If I really want to see it, I'll go mm -hmm. see it. And if I don't mm -hmm. want to see it, I will wait patiently, and I pay for HBO Max. So it's like, yeah, I, I right. it. And, uh, I enjoy that. I enjoy that way of watching movies. I will say this too. I saw this quote. I believe it was James Cameron. I'm going to butcher it, but I'll look it up after so I can get the right one. But basically, I think maybe around the time of the first Avatar release, he was like, the, the great beauty of the movie theater is that you are making a commitment to the movie right. and not bringing in any secondary distractions. Excuse me. That was a pretty bad burp. Really Both held it in there. Kind of just hurt my stomach. 
Broccoli soup and some grilled cheese. Pretty good. Mm, mm. Um, yeah, it, it, you didn't think it would sound good, but it was actually pretty smacking. Kind of tasted like broccoli cheddar, even though it didn't have all that. Anyways, <laughs> and I couldn't agree more, right? It's that's in like Tar- Tarantino and other people have come out and said it too. It's like you're signing an agreement, right? Because Lord knows no matter how anticipated of a film is when it comes out to Netflix or HBO or whatever, and I watch it, during a slow part, I am going to check my phone. During a slow part, I, I, I might even watch like a 10-second Twitter clip. But when I'm in that theater, I'm not that asshole that pulls out his phone. I don't do it. I am locked in. I'm slingshot engaged on the film. Yeah, I saw that tweet um, as well with the Cameron quote. I couldn't agree more. It's like <laughs> movie theater tickets are expensive. You're in. You're in. I've never pat myself on the back again. I'm really feeling myself today. I never pull out my phone in the theaters. Never fucking Yeah, nope. It, it, nope. It, it's, it's the worst when people do it. It's the worst. It's the most ignorant shit ever, dude. Just it's it's been an hour. Relax, and you, no one's ever getting like a call from their kids saying they need to get picked up from college. I'm having a panic attack. It's like you're on Amazon, dude. Like relax, put your phone away. Yeah, um, figure it out. Yeah, figure it out, man. Yeah, I know. I like going to theaters. You commit. You you kick back. You get the popcorn. You're there for the show. And if you want that, you pay for that. And you get the movie. If you want to watch, you get home, the experience. You, you get the experience. Yeah, absolutely. And we all. We all have good enough TVs and speakers to watch at home now and still enjoy a movie. Wow. Speak for yourself, man. There's people out there that don't. Uh, uh, Change your name to Danny uh, Wine. Da- Danny All Inclusive. Um, what was I going to say? But I just yes. totally ignored that I just double burped. I didn't want to acknowledge it. I didn't want to acknowledge your mishaps. Um, what was I going to say, though? But yes, not to get too deep for the menu. Happy Tuesday, everyone. That's what we're recording this year. Um, drawing it back a little bit. Yep, Tuesday. The Bills have survived and advanced. Uh, a little in- the birds obviously have advanced and survived, Correct. even though they didn't have to play. They did. The, the NFC Beast is alive and well. Uh-huh. Um, announcement: I'm going to the Bills Bengals game on Sunday. Ticket purchased, plane ticket purchased. I will be going back, which is awesome. Um, and then Daniel, I understand you have some special news to deliver to our audience here. I'm sure they'll be intrigued to hear. Yeah, I I think I might not want to share that until uh, the paperwork comes through. Okay, um, we're gonna then you you know what for all the audience members here that are here you have just been blue balled and now you are going to have to you're gonna have to all right no no no, no shh, don't don't put your hand up um put a, set alerts for all of our tweets so whenever <laughs> tweets come up just so you know what it's coming through and uh, I don't know if you can do alerts for Instagram but do that as well I you know ring the fucking bell I don't know alerts on um, <laughs> ring the fucking bell. I do want to say also on Spotify, Apple Music, don't forget to give us five stars, leave a rating. Um, Our sponsors us. look at that, so it really, you know, really engage with us. Did I tell you that on our new hosting platform, we can get sponsors? We can read ads? How do we do that? We can read ads for them. Do we get paid? Yeah, we get paid, but we're going to get like 60 cents max because no one watches our episodes. That, dude, I will start doing ad reads. I'm so excited, too. All right, I forgot about that. Let's do that. I will In start other, doing ad reads. And also, with the news, I don't want to share and things go wrong when my warrant for my arrest comes out and I don't have this so-called thing. What are you I arrested wanted. for? Uh, we'll find out. Um, Necrophilia. <laughs> you know what he I do? Comes in, he comes in and he bangs the dead bodies. <laughs> uh, I could do a sunny watch. Um, yes, agreed. I've been seeing a lot of stuff on TikTok with Dennis. Lily kind of Lily's been pushing it. It's been getting me on it. Um, this is not a starter car. This is a finisher car. 
Yeah, what does he say? Like, uh, be gone! <laughs> be gone, you soy boy beta cuck. <laughs> you I'm and a your golden fa- god. <laughs> you and your fantasy leagues of sport. <laughs> He's just wearing that one Phillies hat. Oh, is that tea? Mm-hmm. Mm, how's that? It's actually, my mom went to this really cool tea shop. This is a lemon souffle. It's like lemon and vanilla. It's delicious. Caffeine-free, obviously. Do you know what leave? Hmm. It's in a bag. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I do want to say, I also worked at the bagel shop today, and I had this moment, just the ultimate neighborhood moment. I mean, I've worked there three days, and I already know the regulars. I mean, I know the firemen. I know the mm. construction guys. I know mm. the people coming from church. I know the lawyers. I know the people coming from the courthouse. Dude, I had a moment, and I was like, this is like one of those 1960 movies. The bell yeah. rings, ding, ding, ding. Oh, Johnny, how's the kids? And I'm just back yeah. there slicing bagels. Right. This, this is fucking awesome. <laughs> there's there's no better place to get more well-connected than a top-tier bagel shop in a town in the East Coast. Right. It, it's just so scrappy. It's not one of the fancy bagel shops. There's no iPads. I'm on the classic cash register pushing shit in, giving people the wrong change back every time. I'm not good at counting backwards quite yet. You know, I'm pulling out the quarters. I'm fumbling <laughs> them. <laughs> Sir, can you stop licking the five dollar bill? <laughs> you sure you want this back? He's like, can you please. It's mid COVID. Here's yeah. your change. I don't want that. Okay, then put it right in your pocket. He goes. Yeah. He, he goes. I don't really want to ask, but can I have the receipt? Uh-huh. <laughs> Here you are. It's hard. To, it's hard to really grip it. He goes. There's only one slip of paper. Doesn't matter. Um, you definitely are one of those guys that puts some really just over obnoxious way to get tips like written on a tiny little chalkboard right in front of the jar, like feed the poor, AKA me, you know, leave a dollar, something, something like that. Yeah. No, don't try to be smart with the fucking tip chart. Say tips. It's a fucking tip chart. Don't try to put some sweet shit on it. Say you want to go to college. The the 16 bucks you made is not going to send you to college boss. We all know that. So let's all, let's all cut the shit and just write tips. Maybe you could be known as the guy where like people come in to see what you write the very next day, right? Mm. Tips for new nose job, tips mm. for boobs, right? Like tips for cross country road trip in a motorcycle with a sidecar, no, right? I, Just like random things. No, you're right. If I was maybe if I wasn't in the local bagel shop, you don't fuck with things here, right? The things are the way they are. Uh, maybe if I was somewhere cool, trendy, where I had like a bunch of weirdos walking in, I could give them a little giggle. They might, you know, hand me some cash. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Besides, hands that. off. Hands off. Um, hands off. All right. Time flies in our intros. It's unbelievable. I never know what we talk about in the intros. Yeah. We um, just really, we just really spit it out. Yeah, because we used to like our intros used to be all news. We would talk about trailers and new movies coming out. Maybe we should kind of get back into that. Maybe like five Some minutes. Structure. Sure. I like this idea. I'm thinking of a lot of ideas today. Um, what if we do a, like a, like a three-minute read-off or like we try to read news as fast as we can in a small amount of time, as much movie news as we can? Okay. Okay, yeah. And every, just have we, a bunch of tabs pulled up and just rip off it? Yeah, popcorn style. You say, pass to Dan, and I go, and I just carry on. Okay, and you're like, yeah, yeah Tilda Swilton's pregnant with her fourth boy, right? And you're just like whipping back and forth. Yeah, Brad Pitt beats his kids. You have five seconds of commentary. Wow, he's a wife beater. And then I keep going, you know? Yeah, hmm. okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. A vote in the comment section below, of course. Comment if you'd yeah. like to see that. I also found out you can put polls on Spotify. So there's also will be a poll on this Spotify. Um, if you just kind of swipe down, if you if you listen to the podcast. Um, you, more uh, of when you listen to the podcast. 
Yeah, that's true. I like how we always talk about people not listening to the podcast on the podcast. Um, yes. Which doesn't quite make sense, but... No. Our podcast never makes sense, and that's the point, right? That's the point. It's bite-sized. Yeah, because I found a clip I'm going to post on Instagram of us talking about Robin Aaron back in the studio in college. And we're talking about Robin Aaron sucking titty milk for two minutes. <laughs> and we're just screaming at each other back and forth. He's off the tit. It's, it's, <laughs> it's like, what's going on? Who's listening to this? <laughs> right back then, that was when we went, that was before we had like 20 listeners. We had like three. So we could really go overboard. We could really, we could really get out of pocket. And dude, on the TV behind you is annoying orange. The TV behind me is a fireplace. The camera keeps going in and out of focus every five seconds. <laughs> it's just insane. We had a young broadcast crew. We had a young broadcast crew. Yes. They didn't know what they were doing. Intern. It was the interns. Before, before Mike. Before the interns, yeah. It was ja- Jasper. <laughs> Jasper was a piece of shit. <laughs> Dude, Jasper uh, was laundering money through the podcast. Oh, Jasper, what the fuck? <laughs> What a name. Because, like, the name Jasper, I'm thinking of so many types of human beings. What does Jasper mm. look like? Some mm. names, you see it right away in your head. Jasper, I'm seeing a lot of things. Yeah. Mostly, uh, no, I'm just going to I'm gonna lay off this one. I'm going to step Okay. Back. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll, maybe just give me one feature because I'm curious if it lines up with how I view I was thinking Jasper. of, like, a really pale kid with, like, annoying wired frame glasses and, like, way too long of black hair. And he's a little chunky. And he's always kind of in your way. It's like, fuck off, Jasper. Why are you always hovering, dude? And he- Jasp, get the fuck out of the way. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Jasp. He's just hanging around the wrong crew. His real friends are in the theater, but he wants to hang out with us. And she's like, Jasp, you're wheezing. I kind of see your pit stains. <laughs> Jasper, you are breathing into the mic, man. You're going full Matt Downing out here. Get away from the mic, Jasper. No one wants to hear you anyway. Um, First comment, did you just hit Jasper on camera? No, no. He signed a waiver. He signed a waiver. Oh, there was a lot of allegations back then, but I was thinking about that. Remember how Newport, uh, Newport old roommate, um, he wanted to like watch our episodes. So the way we had the podcast set up, me and Hunter were facing each other, and then we had a couch, and Newport was going to watch the camera, watch us. He would have been perfect for a laugh track. Yeah, he, he would have been I don't even know if he track. would laugh at us. I don't think we could. We would have to work hard to make him laugh. We would have to we, be grinding. We, we would have to bust. We would have to bust some serious chops. Yeah. Um, everyone was kung fu fighting. Uh, no, 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 no. no. <gasps> yeah. Uh, I do want to move on because we try to set ourselves with time parameters. But with the clock ticking in the top left, left time goes, time flies. It really uh, does. It really does just manipulate. Time's a construct, first off. I want to get that out Absolutely. get that out on the line. Absolutely. That time's not real. But yes, it does fly, as they say. Maybe we should start talking about some more serious things on the podcast, like time, man. That'd be intense. Oh, oh you're thinking I was... <laughs> <laughs> what were you thinking? <laughs> like, family of seven knifed in their home, right? Like, that's what I... And we discuss it. Like, we turn it into kind of like a crime junkies podcast a little bit. Yeah, we just find the shittiest world news, just like the most depressing, shitty stuff, and we read it. Nuclear waste dropped into like an Ethiopian orphanage town, like just something horrendous. Yeah, we just try to give our best takes, like those, Mm. yeah, I don't even want to get into it, man. Okay, that's good, let's move on, let's just move on. Uh, Yeah, yeah, because we keep saying, it's been five minutes since we tried to stop. Um, so the way the episodes will be structured, the last of us will be anchoring the episodes, just like we did house of dragon. It'll be coming in the end, but since it's the first episode and since we're having a special guest, Ben, come on, we're going to do it right now. Um, so Ben will come on and chat about the last of us, um, HBO's hit show, 
um, nine o'clock Sundays. Yeah. So you, you ready to you ready to let Ben on? I cannot wait to hear what my co-owner's older brother has to say about this show. Absolutely. And I just thought of another good idea. I'm on fire. We got to start taking calls from the audience again. I was just, oh, dude, I wrote it down right here. I wrote it down nice. right here because Nick Kiefer called me and I was like, we should really just start texting one person every Tuesday and be like, can you call in at 8.15 or yeah. like 9.45? Or we just put the poll up on Instagram because back, all right, we're so, God damn it. <laughs> back in the day on the classic episodes, people always ended up calling us. We'd go speakerphone to the mic and it'd be the most regular conversation. Timothy's like, do you know what to get mom for her birthday? I'm like, you're on the podcast. You're on the podcast. <laughs> you're on the pod. You're on the pod. You're on the pod. What do you have to say? Do you still know what to get mom? And hello, podcast. All right, Tim. Thank you for calling. It's like, you I'll still call answer you. the question. Thank you, Tim. Yeah, it's always like, I'll call you back, man. Um, yeah, so that was classic. So we should bring that back for sure. Cool. And I'm thinking too, and then we'll move on. Before we welcome Ben on, who's waiting in the wings. That's green room. so pumped to get out. He's in the green room right now, drinking tea, talking to Ryan Seacrest. When somebody calls in, I'm just going to slap on a little pin right here that says uh, operator and just put on a different hat every time. So like, all right, we're getting the call. Let's go. You're on the pod. You know, I'm into it. Let's start getting costumes. Let's start doing road trips. Um, the whole nine yards. The whole nine so, yards. So let's introduce second time podcast speaker, um, book reader, pretty much a nerd. Um, Jack of all trades. Jack of all trades. My good friend, Hunter's friend. Ben. Sure. All right, and welcome. I am happy to announce our second time, second recurring guest. That doesn't make sense, but he was on back in the day talking about Dune. Let's welcome our guest, Ben. Ben Bartholomew. Sure. Hey, feels really good to be back. <laughs> uh, yes, if you are a passionate fan of the podcast, um, you've gone back in the archives. You watched episodes. Ben came on during our small stint. Our small stint in 2020. He previewed mm -hmm. Dune. He mm -hmm. had the Paul Atreides in the background. He did a great job getting us excited for the movie. Yes. Um, Dune was fantastic. And Dune 2 will be coming out soon. And I recommend, I recommend, I reckon Ben might be back for that as well. So we'll see. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I will say this. If there's one thing that Ben taught me last time he was on the show, it's that his name is not Dennis Villanueva. Right there's you want to say it? Mm. Just say it. You say it. How's yeah, it pronounced? It's a. Uh, I mean, I can do better than that probably, but I don't know if this is exactly right. But Denny, let mm. move. Mm. Oh my God! I mean, that is yeah. this is a, this man's been to Europe before. Yeah, I have. I have. <laughs> <laughs> he did. I do actually remember that exact moment because I also didn't say Stalin Skarsgård name. I didn't even mention him in the cast because I didn't want to say his name wrong um, yeah you didn't want to you didn't want to botch it and then 15 yeah. minutes later like ben's like you actually forgot to mention my favorite casting and i was like god damn it <laughs> <laughs> it worked out though because he was an andor so you ended up you know you could refine retune retool yeah and then i found out all the scars guards are actors um but that is besides the point they're probably a very nice finish i assume there's some sort of scandinavian family um we swedish, are right yeah, that counts as that counts as Scandinavia. Yeah, you're right, Scandinavian. Um, okay, we are here to talk about episode one of The Last of Us, each on HBO Max. Mm -hmm. um, me and Hunter are gonna be talking about it each week, but today, since it's the first episode, we have our expert Ben here, um, mm -hmm. expert witness. Yeah, my those, cousin Vinny. <laughs> okay, for those who don't know, I want to clarify this now. Um, 
I don't know how many people don't know, but there's definitely people who don't know who are watching this. This show is based off a video game. Mm-hmm. So people know what happens. Partially, mostly. They know the main beats of the story. Um, ben has just recently played the video game, just recently beat the video game. Um, so he will have some expert guidance. No spoilers, because no spoilers. Hunter, me and Hunter don't want the show spoiled. Oh, well, Hunter knows as well. YouTube. YouTube. I don't want the show spoiled. Um, but he will guide us through this journey that's going to be The Last of Us. So, yeah. We expect uh, we expect a full expert opinion on just about everything here. You know, we really just want to pick your brain of what you think it's going to be like, what it's going to feel like, and if you think the show is actually going to be good or not. I think that's I think that's what I really want to hear from you. If you know, based off the first episode, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But I'm curious to truly see what your thoughts are after just recently playing the game, watching the first episode, and you know, just whatever, however you nitpick it. I'm just I'm very interested. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to start the victory laps yet, but I think in, you know, three months, they're going to be in a, like an annoying number of articles saying like, how did The Last of Us do it? Like the first true video game adaptation to TV that was just like a smash hit blockbuster. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot that uh, I think that the production team and the directors are going to do right. But at the same time, like this is kind of a slam dunk if you're going to adapt a video game. I mean, think about your favorite video game, Call of Duty, FIFA, Super Monkey Ball. There might not be a cohesive story. uh, And if there there is, it might be kind of weak. It might have flaws. There might be weird characters that don't, you know, carry interest. But the last of us is a video game but it was kind of like the pioneer for those super like narrative engaging story based games Mm -hmm. uh that we've seen sony push out year after year um you know with god of war uncharted uh and now two last of us games plus a couple remasters um it was a really innovative game in that way and i think that it's gonna make it easy to adapt and i think we're all in agreement here that episode one had some really stellar moments. Um, For sure. Expect to uh, see that continue throughout the whole series. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No. Go ahead, Bob. Um, I I guess I'm just curious. Did you just play the first Last of Us or did you do both of them? That's a good question. Yeah, I just did the first one. Okay. Um, So like I said, it's it's been remastered a couple times. So I played the PS4 remaster, which is Mm -hmm. a couple years old. Um, they just released a PS5 upgrade, yeah. Um, which I wasn't going to spend seventy dollars for when I heard no, the other one. No. Um, but yeah, it's I mean, if you're going to remaster a game twice, it's it's got to be a masterpiece, and it, it was for sure. Um, I guess a little background context. Dan mentioned that I know from YouTube. I didn't. I wasn't on the Sony PS4 grind. I've been an Xbox man my whole life. So when The Last of Us, and I don't think they have it on Xbox now, right? Is it still strictly Sony? That's right. So when it came out, I really wanted to play, but obviously I couldn't. So I watched this guy called The Rad Brad, just this YouTube guy that plays video games. And I watched however many parts to it. I think there was like 30 parts. Each one was like 45 minutes. And I watched it. I don't even know how long ago this was, probably five, seven years ago, somewhere around there. And I watched the whole game through his eyes. So not to say I'm the sharpest. Like I remember exactly what's going to happen other than like the opening scene. But sure. I mean, it definitely, 
even watching somebody play the game, it felt like a movie basically is what I'm yeah. going at. Right. Like yes, yeah. you feel for the characters. It's crazy. Yeah, no, I I'll admit I, um, I finished the main story and there's like a maybe two hour DLC um, that focuses on the character Ellie's backstory, which mm-hmm. I, based on what I've seen without giving away too much, I think that they're going to cover that in the show as well. Okay. Um, and I thought to myself, like, I'm kind of ready to like beat God of War too, because I want to play the new one. So yeah. I didn't, I didn't play the DLC. I, I watched it while I was cooking and I honestly, I didn't feel like I missed out on that much because sure. so much of it is cut scenes and just these really cinematic shots where right. whether or not I'm holding a controller, I don't really mind. So I don't know if that was your experience too. That's no, that, that is what it felt like. Right. Like I, I think you, you feel connected with the characters and they do a great job of one, getting you with those cutscenes and cinematic experiences. So you're also watching it unfold, not even with, you know, the control in your hands, but at the same time, you do do so much playing and so many choices you have to make where you are so fully immersed in the story of the game that it really does feel like you're there, right? I, yeah. It's phenomenal work. Naughty it's, Dog. It, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's one of those games too where the conversation isn't like robotic where like you wait to pick up, press a button to choose your, like the thing you say, like you have no control over what Joel does or says really at the end of Mm -hmm. the day. Um, And there's a lot of these conversations that just happen while you're walking next to Ellie or next to Tess. And they, it just, it all feels really natural. It's not like you get forced into this dialogue. You want to hear, you, you almost want your, your character, the characters to talk more because you learn right. something interesting every right. time. It's, it's so, it's so well done. Truly. Like you're so invested. You're so interested in what they're going to say, even in these conversations and passing. It's. Wow. Yeah. I was kind of curious about, like, I wanted to ask you specifically about the game. I just learned a lot about it. I guess the only sort of narrative-based game really I've ever played is Red Dead 2, and I don't know how strong that is compared to other things. But, like, what are you actually doing in the game? Is it, like, is there missions? Are you killing zombies, uh, not zombies, things we don't know about quite yet? Like Clickers? Is that what they're called? Clickers, right? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, there hasn't been the clicker reveal yet, but right. that, that that's going to be a shocking scene for sure. Right? Yeah, um, I bet. Yeah, I was just under the so, impression, but yeah. So I will now. That it's funny you brought up Red Dead Redemption too, because I think one thing that the two games have in common is the the violence is so like raw and brutal. Um, like it's not the you shoot the bad guy with the gun and he sort of collapses. Like you, it feels real to the point of being uncomfortable sometimes so i think that level of realism in terms of gameplay was kind of interesting um but it's a survival horror game um you'll find out pretty soon what the overarching plot is if you haven't already picked it up from episode Mm -hmm. one but they're going to be doing a lot of traveling uh you know hundreds maybe even thousands of miles um in search of something and on your way they're on their way, they're going to encounter um, zombies. They're going to encounter, you know, uninfected humans who are still hostile to them. They're going to encounter humans who aren't hostile, who they might work work with temporarily. Um, so it's very much uh, like a linear. You're, you're trying to, you know, it's split into like ten or ten levels or so. You're trying to get through a certain area in each mm-hmm. level. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I um. No, it's interesting how this works. Like you were saying, like this is a slam dunk to be adapted in TV, and you're right. Like, 
uh, adapting Sonic or which they did relatively well, I guess, or just adapting something without this, like this game pretty much sounds like it is a movie. And I saw a lot of um, Twitter, like a lot of cuts, like cut shots, like stacked on top video game, the show, and they mm-hmm. match up perfectly. And obviously they don't do all of it the same. Um, but it seems like adapting video games, is, this game specifically seems like it's really special to some people, like a lot of people. It seems like the community is really passionate about it. I feel like um, it, it's it's nerve wracking to do that for a community who loves their game so much to adapt it to a TV show. And right now, after the first episode, it even seems like the super fans are in love with it. And it seems like they're doing yeah. a good direction for the super fans, not just TV show fans. So I, I assume that's how you feel as a fan of the game. Yeah, I mean, they've, like you said, the side-by-sides, um, we'll get to it, but I think that they added some really interesting content in, mm-hmm. but what they used from the source material, they were so careful and so respectful of it that as a fan, it's it's really hard to make any critiques. Um, and I think that a, a reason for that is the people who are in charge of the show include... Neil Druckmann, who is yes. the game's director and writer. So you've got, and he's, I believe he's directed episode two. Um, so we'll kind of see his spin, but he's been, he's was involved from the start um, working with a man whose name I'm forgetting, but he was, you know, he produced the Chernobyl series on yes. HBO. Yes. Um, so that both of them are extremely passionate about the game. Obviously one of them basically created it. Um, so the two of them working together, they're not going to do anything to piss fans off. I don't think. Um, and for those of you listening, if, if you've already binged every one of you watching episode and you're looking for a podcast, uh, there's an official HBO podcast for the show that's hosted by Troy Baker, who is the voice actor for Joel in the games. Um, and they released the first episode of that where he interviews Druckmann and the Chernobyl guy who's again, whose name escapes me. Um, and you can tell how much they care about this. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, again, that's another reason that I'm confident that they're just going to continue to get it right. Yeah, that's that's cool that he's a part of it. I didn't know the video game uh, creator, director, storyboard guy was a part of it. So, And uh, I know House of Dragon did the companion podcast as well. So I think that's HBO's new thing. But Sure. Um, just really quickly, I, I want to touch on what you said. Just the fact that they're bringing the action, one of the writers and, you know, one of the people that put together this game, I think that right there just shows that the amount of justice that they want to show to the actual fans of the game. Right. I feel like too many times nowadays you see books picked up or, you know, other games or other source materials picked up where they'll just bring on the writer as like a consultant, or they'll just have him write little notes here or there. And nine times out of 10, it feels like the actual producers of the show and the showrunners basically tell him to fuck off. Like, we have you here so that the fans know you're here and they can trust this. And it ends up being dog shit most of the times. Right. I mean, I'm, I just currently started the halo series on Paramount plus don't know if you watch that, but it's not very good. It's not very good. <laughs> right. And like, I enjoyed the video games, right. Or like for the Witcher, I mean, that's been done well. And, and you see some true fans don't really like it, but like someone that's never played the games is like, Oh, this show's pretty badass. So I think bringing him on, and having him, you know, direct an episode and, and really actually give the notes and how he wants this to be shot, like how he did with the game is, is really cool. I think that's really, that's really well done. 
Yeah, I, th- I think that it's kind of a way to guarantee that you're respecting the source material, which is mm-hmm. the things that get fans up in arm the quickest. Um, I think there will be some nods to the game. You know, I, I don't think it'll really get into the fan service-y sort of world, mm-hmm. which I know is can also be a, a drawback. Um, I have found it interesting. So I just mentioned the voice actor for Joel is hosting the podcast. Uh, the voice actor for Ellie um, I think her name is Ashley Johnson. She has a role in the show, obviously not as Ellie because she's an adult, um, yeah. but it's yet to be announced. So I think oh, people cool. are kind of looking forward to seeing when she shows up. Uh, and also, I I believe so. Marlene, the leader yes. of the Fireflies, she's, she's, she's the also the she's also the voice actor for the game. Um, Very I believe cool. she, I believe she's the only one, at least that we know of, where, where that's the case. But still, still cool that they're willing to kind of consider. Um, these characters that people fell in love with to change as little as possible. Yeah. Obviously, in most cases, you're going to have to recast the role, but uh, still really neat to, to see the nod to, to right. that character. For like all we know, Joel could be like a 67-year-old Asian man. You know, he just doesn't fit that Midwestern, grungy, you know, yeah. kind of guy. And oh man, Pedro Pascal in that episode was so good. Just right. like the, the emotion like the kind of like the standoffish sort of grumpy old man vibe Mm -hmm. that you get from Joel that, you know, at at times gets chipped away and you see that, uh, um, you know, vulnerability. Yeah. Um, I think that they really did a great job casting him and I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, his performances throughout, throughout the series. Yeah. He absolutely killed it. Cause I mean, we can kind of start getting into the first episode slightly, but, um, I mean, they had to start with when the pandemic starts, right? Like that first 30 minutes, my heart was out of my chest. Like I was, I was nervous. Like, yeah. And also I'm well aware Bella Ramsey is going to be his companion, right? So I'm seeing his daughter. I'm getting a, I mean, you're getting a major idea. She's going to die or get lost. I don't know which one it is. I don't know if she's going to be on her, but like, I mean, there's airplanes falling out of the fucking sky. Yeah. Like there's shotguns and. The moment when she dies, right, you're like, obviously, that changes everything about him. And then we skip 20 years or so, um, like the change in character and the reason why Pedro Pascal, Joel, is grumpy. And then he does have that vulnerability because he cared about his daughter. Mm -hmm. And now he's going to care about Bella Ramsey like that. But he's been harding through all of this shit. Um, I'm so glad they gave us that beginning because it really shows the character why he is the way he is. And you're right. Pascal kills it. He really shows it. Yep. And we t- when we talk about like adding material for the show, um, that kind of prologue in 2003, yes. they extended a lot of aspects of that, including giving more insight into Sarah's daily life. I don't think there are any shots of her in school or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, so just the, uh, the attachment that you form, maybe if, if a viewer didn't make the same insight that you did, Dan, and thinks, you know, maybe Sarah exists out in this world in 20 years the, the devastation kind of hits even harder yeah that happened to my mom i was warning my parents like i'm better watch this new show it's like i'll watch in the basement like you're gonna get hooked you're probably gonna be upset in the first episode like i assume shit's about to go down like it's gonna be heartbreaking my mom's like yeah. fine she's nervous she's like is he alive i'm like mom just watch and then she was like asked about if uh i just his daughter was alive and i was like I didn't say anything. And when it happened, she was so mad and devastated. Like it got you it. It son got... of a bitch, Daniel. <laughs> like, mom, I told you I'd watch in the basement. You know, I can't, I can't take blame for this. 
it was an intense start. Um, and I know people are really loving, at least on the internet, the cold open of the um, talk show in 1968, talking about the fungi. Um, just kind of showed him like it. I know that wasn't from the game, and I know a lot of people are talking about it on the internet. Like, what a good way to start it to really bring up how serious this issue is, what's really going on with everything. So I love that that uh, cold open. I, I think what it does too is something I didn't even uh, think that hard about playing the game. Is it gives that sense of realism, um, right? That, yes. And I I think most scientists would probably say that it's a stretch to say that a, a fungus like cordyceps that affects small insects could just kind of evolve so s- rapidly and crazily. Yeah, and I, I I've saw see other people say like yeah even if even if there was that kind of fungal infection it would just kill you it wouldn't like reanimate you and make you angry and you talk like in the first episode uh, the grandma like crawl like who couldn't walk all of a sudden like flying around like that that's where it becomes a little fictionalized I yeah think. but just uh it, it it makes it even more grounded i think than the game does from the start which it was really cool and again i i really do recommend the the companion podcast they talk a little bit about how that scene came to be um and thought it was a good story but i won't get into it here Speaking um, speaking of the grandma, did you both notice probably 20 minutes into the episode? I'm assuming so, right? Because they kind of made it obvious, but I can see some people not where um, – oh, it's blanking me. What's the daughter's name again? Somebody help me out. Sarah. Where Sarah's like just looking at the shelves or whatever, and you just see the grandma in the background going like <laughs> the open you know, mouth, open, yeah. open in her mouth, like giving dome to a ghost. And that like, – like, <laughs> right when I saw that – Right when I saw that, I was freaked out. Like right there, I'm like, oh, dude, is it going to happen now? Is it going to happen in like, t- like, is she going to get right out of the chair and pounce? You know, is this, that freaked me the shit out for sure. <laughs> no, that, that was good. <laughs> yeah, they, <laughs> yeah, they did a great job. Really building the anxiety as you see the little hints throughout the first 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, I, I really liked that they added all that stuff with Sarah. And like it's it's gonna become up a topic of discussion what they're adding on top of the source material. But I mean, I was totally invested in her. Everyone I was watching with was totally invested in her. And like I don't know, she I think she adds to Joel's character a lot. She brought so much to the world. Like, um, what if I was in the city right now? And like all of that things like with showing that first day of the pandemic, showing that mm-hmm. first day when society crashes. It was good. And I also want to note this. So coming into the story, I have an idea. It's an apocalypse show. Soon we're going to be shooting zombie type things, whatever. Right. But once um, the, the military guy shot Joel's daughter, I was like, I did not expect also the military and the government over control would be such an aspect of it. That that was like new to me. And that part was like, huh, this story really just evolved at that moment. Yeah. The Furda. Like, Furda. Isn't that what they're called? Furda? Yeah, we'll count that. No, it is interesting, right? It's, you know, that here's a chance to grab power. And like humans do, the second, you know, you got to instill some laws, they're doing it, right? I, I would imagine that probably every pretty controlled or civilized city they'll run into will have some sort of, overarching freaking you know i can't even think the word but um 
uh, not really want to think of the word tyranny. You know, we'll just say tyranny. But it's like every place you go, it's going to be like a king or like a military force, like a dictatorship or run by like a mobs or gangsters. I'm curious to see if they run into friendly, you know, civilizations or areas. Like, I think that's, that's something to make note of as we travel on this journey. Yeah. I think you'll get some answers, but uh, I'm not going to give them now. (laughs) I I do have a question. So like um, in terms of like apocalypse shows um, recently, I watched Station Eleven on HBO with Hunter. Hunter watched that as well. Um, I never watched The Walking Dead, but there's a lot of them. And right, and like a common thing for people not to watch The Last of Us be it's the same but different, right? Different mm-hmm. characters, I get attached, blah blah blah. So my question for you is, Ben, is like what, without giving spoilers, obviously, what does make this different? What is the reason people are so attached? And like, yeah, I think it's it's great that you bring that up because I have already seen online comments along the lines of like oh, this kind of feels just like the walking dead like what's the point i i i think that the uh like the government control versus rebel aspect um you know it it remains throughout the show like obviously there is this there's government entity controlling city centers that haven't been overrun and in most places there is some sort of rebellion but the story isn't really about that the story is about joel and ellie's journey um and those two characters the way that they develop the connection that they have um that they don't even know that they have yet um is really kind of the main draw i think you'll you'll come to really care about both of those characters maybe more than you care about the world that they live in Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Awesome, yeah. Like, like Arya and the Hound, you know, you kind of fall in love with this buddy cop sort of situation, right? Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a world. It's a world where sometimes it feels like there's nothing good, but you have these these two characters with redeeming qualities who who have each other, um, and that relationship is kind of the 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 light in the darkness, so to speak. That's right. Awesome. It's it's not like your stereotypical zombie show where it's, you know, they, they get a group and then they get to a bigger city and the city gets overran or blown up and then they travel again and then they get to a city and it's repetitive in that motion. It's like you are following these two characters that have such a connection and everything going on around them is just noise. Right. It's how are they? How are these two characters or whoever our core is going to be, you know, Tess as well. How are they going to navigate through probably the worst and worst shit that they see throughout every next step of the journey, right? It's how are they going to get out of this? Are they going to lose each other? Are they going to get lost? Yeah. I, I, yeah, that's, that's an interesting draw and, and definitely a play on the whole post-apocalyptic world scenario. Yeah. Cause most post-apocalyptic things are like about what's happening. It's about killing the zombies. It's about stuff getting overtaken, but this seems like it's more about the characters navigating that situation. Right. So that's the difference between, most of these apocalyptic shows are about all the shit going on. This is more about the characters navigating this world. So that's interesting. That makes me excited for it. Cause I think Bella Ramsey and Pedro Pascal, cause I, I heard the episode was supposed to finish initially, I think before they met um, or maybe, yeah. So, and they wanted to develop that before we get it, at least in the first episode, show the relationship a little bit. And we got it right away him holding the knife under his foot. She'd be like, fuck you. Like yeah. protecting her and killing that um, officer outside the wall. So that sort of thing is like, you know, we got a taste of it. And I actually am very excited to see that keep going. I'm so freaking pumped. Um, I get, here's another question. And, and we also briefly touched on this before. 
what do you think is the perfect amount of source material compared to, you know, new adaptations, right? Like how much as someone that's played the game, are you looking for scenes to be so similar, if not the same? Uh, that's a tough question. And I, the true answer is probably it, it depends, but yeah. I think in a game where the cinematics are so good, I think that you can kind of borrow as much as you want. Sure. Um, there so many of the shots that are one-to-one to the game from episode one are super memorable shots. The truck yeah. driving to the intersection with the cops driving by and they turn going the other way. That's mm-hmm. like an iconic moment where they're, they're in the car. They don't know really if there's anywhere they can go and everywhere they do go, they just find more and more chaos until kind of the crescendo of the plane crash. Right. Yeah. The plane crash was, that was, that was intense. And I saw, they really um, like wanted to focus on that truck scene. Like they really rigged up the camera to be in the back. And I guess I didn't notice because my heart was racing. But when I rewatched it, that scene's insane. Like they have yeah. the camera in the back. So it feels like you're playing the video game. It's got that POV feel. You're um, Sarah in the back seat. Um, so that was like a really, really intense and really, and really well done. It's got the HBO quality, but it seems like it's got the heart. Like we talked about with the, with the game creator. Um, in it so it seems like a perfect blend as of now yeah 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 and i i think that um and i i found his name because i didn't want to keep calling him the chernobyl guy but craig mazin um i think having him on is going to be so helpful when it comes to sort of tying maybe giving you a better idea of the world because like i said the game is so focused on these people and their relationships that not a lot is given away about what the world looks like now mm-hmm. or what it, what it looked like in the days right after um, the outbreak. So I think that you know the idea of dealing with the disaster, even if even when it's kind of too late in the in the yeah. same vein as Chernobyl, um, will really be interesting to see. Like we don't know a lot, and I don't know if we can consider it you know canon to the to the original story, but with Neil Druckmann on, I would think that we could. So, yeah. Um, I mean, the, the whole Jakarta Indonesia thing, I don't know if that, you know, are they going to show us Jakarta in 2003? Right. It feels kind of like a distraction, but if, if anybody could pull it off, I think that those oh. two could. Do we think we're going to get flashbacks of any sorts? Like, do we think we're going to go back to 2003? Do we think we're going to learn about, Ellie, like you said, in that DLC sort of situation. Um, I would hope so. I, I I think watching a TV show, I guess specifically post-apocalyptic show, you know, when you're watching the first little bit of The Walking Dead or whatever, flashbacks are kind of cool because I like seeing how it actually, you know, formulated, how it went down, where it went wrong. So I think if they were able to do it in a tasteful way, right, don't overdo the flashbacks, this isn't lost, but give us that little taste and bits and pieces here and there, I think would be pretty cool. I'd, I'd be excited to see that. Yeah. Yes. I mean, say they're heading to Chicago, which they don't actually do in the story and they show maybe a flashback to Chicago at the time to give you an idea of why um, the city got overrun and there's no government there anymore or something like that. Yeah. Um, could, could certainly be interesting. Anything like that was completely left to the imagination in the game. And I think there is a magic to that. I don't need all the answers, but a little bit more exposition would be would be cool. Yeah. 
even something as simple as like how did Joel get to Boston from which Texas. I'm also so curious about. I mean, that's that's probably a long road trip if every highway is most likely blocked up from right. absolute waves of cars and zombies. Yeah, how did he meet Tess? Like right where like was Tommy with him the whole time until a couple weeks before we see him in 2023 or or did they kind of intermingle and cross paths and do their own thing? Is this something they're used to or that is Joel freaked out that they're apart because it's never really happened before. Right. I I think the only thing they hinted at with Tommy was that like the firefly girl, um, right. Broke them up or pitted them against each other of some sort of conflict. And that's why we're in this situation. Um, but it seems like he's talked to him on the radio a lot, and then this is the first time he's not answering him. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I have no. I have no clue how to gauge what. But it seems like they had to be together at some point because it seems right. like they split. And he, yeah. Tommy, went wherever he is for a certain reason. Wyoming, maybe they said. Yeah, somewhere out west. I believe. I believe Wyoming is correct. Um, that's all. You know, that's what I would say. My hypothesis is right. Maybe Tommy joined the Fireflies, and that's where the discourse started to happen because Joel just really probably doesn't want to have anything to do with all that shit, you know, lay low, make your money, try to live this life out for whatever it's worth. Cause he's really had nothing to fight for. You know, he lost his daughter. And I think in that, you know, kind of flash into next week's episode, if you didn't watch it, he was, Tommy was just like, you, you know, I put it on the line for you. Like he, I gave you the opportunity to, you know, make something of our lives and do something. And you just, you didn't want to fight, you know, you, you didn't want to really go out of your way to, to change who you are. So Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see how that all plays out. Um, something else I want to note about Pedro Pascal's acting. Um, before he kills that guy at the end of episode one, um, with his bare hands, which was in, which was intense. Like you can just see he he doesn't want to do it, and his like lips kind of quivering. Right, he's like, got this little like quiver, but he has to do it. Right, yeah. And right after he kills him, he looks at Ellie, and he's got this monster animal killer face like, like yes and yeah. she with the blood on his fists and yeah, you know and, the splatter everywhere and he's like no one's touching you and you the know, difference, I'm getting you there the difference between ellie and sarah was sarah was terrified don't shoot them pick those people up where are we going help everyone i think ellie was kind of into the blood i think she was kind of into the shit she seems like a violent rebellious motherfucker so i did she gets that smirk too yeah. she, she looks at joel and she goes oh yeah Oh, if this is how this is going to be, I'll ride with you, you know? Yeah. I mean, it it shows the innocence lost when you're born into a post-apocalyptic world. And I think Ellie's, and we'll come to find out, Ellie's probably had it worse than than most kids in that post-apocalyptic world. So, Uh, Talk about losing your innocence. I mean, I want to get your, both your takes on it. When that kid shows up and he's got the scratch and they're asking all nicely, Mm. you know, Where'd you get that scratch from? Where'd you come from? And you see in the background, the tester blink red. And then in the next scene, he's throwing the body. And I was just like, holy fuck, you know? Because I don't know if I could call the government or whatever they are evil for doing that. Because obviously you can't let somebody infected walk around. But at the same time, it's just like, damn, you know, that's what life is now. It's euthanizing kids because they're infected, right? It's, there's no, there's no line anymore. Yeah, I think there there are two things that I really took away from that. And one was Tess needing Joel to throw the kid in the fire. Um, and the last time we see Joel, he's, he's holding his only child mm. as, as mm. she dies. And how 
willing he was to just pick up the body right. and throw it. And like, this is a man who's suffered who knows what after 20 years of uh, an incredible loss and is just kind of uh, Numb. numbed himself to things like that. Um, the other takeaway was when it comes to sort of Ellie's secret and, you know, how this is the kind of things you don't, you take for granted in a world where there aren't zombies running around. But if there was a cure to some disease in a kid, you would just take them to the nearest hospital or re- research facility. What do you, what do you do when those types of places don't exist anymore? Mm. And the government wouldn't believe you and would just kill you on site if you yeah. tried to tell them it makes it a challenge when you know the the answer seems so obvious like we just we need to take her blood samples and get her in a lab but those things don't really exist so how do you how do you find them and right those questions will be answered but uh it's it's certainly not as easy as hopping in your car and driving over to the hospital driving down to miller fillmore on transit road absolutely not and you know to your point as well, you're probably going to run into people who don't want a cure to, to happen, right? Maybe they've rose into a position of power or, you know, their life is actually better off now than it was before. And, you know, they would try to stop that at any means necessary, which no, that, is just another, you know, mind fuck in its own. How evil can you be? Yeah, no, that is a good to note. Um, Cause you know, you see on Ellie's hand, right? She has it, but she's not sick. She gets registered red. That's why she stabs the guy anyway. Um, so that uh, you never, you gotta, I guess, find the right people along the way. Who's going to help you? How do you build up this good team of good people? Um, I want to backtrack a little bit, just talking about the world building and talking about like the kid, um, being thrown in the fire, Joel throwing him in the fire. Like, I think that just adds to like it, that scene specifically adds to the world building. So does like Joel and everyone having to take pills and drink to go to bed. Right. Like, it, it doesn't seem like anyone's lived any sort of easy life. It seems like no, no one can sleep. Everyone's fucked. He's not the only one who's killed someone. He's not the only one who has to deal with grief. It seems like everyone's so hardened. And I thought the pills and the alcohol really showed it. Just while he's looking just at the map. It. While he's looking at just, the map. Yeah. And I thought if initially I was like, oh, he's going to do something stupid drunk. Nope. Just pound, pound, pills, sleep. And he was being productive and then knocked out. So it's just like those fever dreams, those flashbacks, it seems like everyone's very, very hard. And so I'm excited to meet people on the way and see where it's different around the world or the country. Yeah, I don't think, I mean, if you look at Joel's life, like what reason does he have to keep fighting? Like he, it's just uh, like, he doesn't have much. I, it's clear that he and Tess have a relationship, but um, like, what is there to do? What is there to strive for? I think uh, it's interesting to see him find his purpose and it's mm-hmm. something that we'll see. But um, yeah, I imagine Joel and a lot of the other people in Boston, what do you kind of do except for go to work, sit around. If you're lucky enough to have something like a radio, maybe maybe you can listen to some music, but there's really not um, any of those like higher quality of life things, things anymore. Yeah. It's, it's, it's survival and, and that's about it. Absolutely. Like that, that radio guy wanted those cigarettes so bad, right? Like when he got those cigarettes, he lit it up, lit it up instantly, instantly. He said, and then told him the bad news. My mouth. Like, yeah. So it, you're right. It seems like the small things will probably go a long way. Um, yeah, but yeah, I thought, I think we all, I think most people are on the same page. First episode was amazing. First 30 minutes, heart thumping last 30 minutes. I got invested in 
two characters pretty well and Tess even a little bit, but specifically Joel and Ellie, I know that's the whole point of it, but I think I got, they hooked me pretty quick about both characters. So uh, I thought it's as good of an intro as you can get. And we also get that little tease of some sort of, what do they call it? We call them clicks. The monsters. Clickers. 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 Um, We kind of got the tease of one at the end as they're on their perilous journey. Um, Yeah. So I, I couldn't have really asked for much more. I'm excited. The acting good. It seems like they're holding honest to the source material. It seems like they brought good people along for the ride to help build this up, make this a show. So yeah, um, definitely excited for the next have, eight episodes. Have yeah, eight episodes, nine total. Have they? They haven't said this is a mini series, right? Like this could be renewed. If I if I stand correct, that's a good question. I don't I don't really know. Um, I know that the, the story of The Last of Us Two has some work controversial aspects that like even hardcore fans of the series might not be as interested in seeing but who knows i mean if this is a massive success there's going to be pressure from hbo i would Uh, i would imagine there's going to be pressure from everyone under the sun if if hbo does what it's shown it can do with its you know sunday night slot tv shows i guess you play the games i mean if there's no way at least in my mind where i think they could probably do the whole Last of Us game in one season, right? I feel like that would have to be pretty quick pacing. Um, I I think it kind of seems like they're going to try. Okay. Uh, there's, like I said, there's eight or nine chapters. Yeah. Um, in the game, and I believe episode one covered the entirety of the prologue and the first two episodes. So I think that they're going to be able to pace certain episodes so that they move fast at times and sure. they're able to slow down at times. Um, and it, in keeping with tradition of bringing up a casting towards the end of my <laughs> podcast appearance, um, I think we're going to learn a lot more about Nick Offerman's character, Bill. Yes. I'm um, very excited to see. I almost mentioned his name. Yeah. He appears in the game, like for a decent portion, he's somebody who they, they meet on their way. Um, and you know, they part ways, but, I think that there's backstory to be explored with Bill, and I think that they'll probably take their time on the episode where he appears with with uh, the characters that we've met already. Okay. Um, I think it's an interesting casting. Uh, so did Bill's, I. That, Bill's, that... Bill's kind of like a, a crotchety yet eccentric, like middle-aged man verging on older man, um, and I think that level of energy is going to be a... a interesting role for nick offerman like it's not this stern like woodsy guy swanson yeah no it's the guy who complains because the glass of water you gave him is a little bit too warm Mm -hmm. like he's (laughs) he's a really funny character um i really i think there's a there's some deeper um, sides to the character that they give you a glimpse at in the game but uh, I think we're we're really going to get more of that, and that's the episode I think I'm looking forward to the most. Sure, he's going to be peeled like an onion. Going to learn all the layers of that boy. Yeah, I was I was going to ask you, but you just answered it like earlier. I was thinking, what are you most excited for? So it's good yeah. to know to meet him. And I also didn't even consider if it was going to be more than one season. I knew there was a part two of the game, but I didn't know anything about part two of the game. Um, so that's good to know. So we'll buckle up here for those. Strap in. Um, 
I guess, you know, coming come towards the end here, Dan, what are you most excited about for the show? Huh? What's, what's, what's got you churning? What's got your nipples hard? I am most excited to see what cities they go to and what it's like, like what's different. Why is it different? Like we were kind of saying, like, how is it ruled? Whatever. Cause I thought station 11 was an interesting show like that, where they brought you to a country club that was posted up. And like the way they lived in the country club was so different than the way these people lived in tents across yeah. the country or on, by a gas station. So I'm excited just to see like how they build it out, what it looks like visually, and you know, it's just kind of sort sort of uh, world building, cool, exciting things. I like that. What, are you what about you, about Hunter? Hunter? Yeah, I I think it's less of the actual material of the show. I, I'm just excited to see if they're able to carry this momentum throughout the whole season, right? I'm I'm curious if we get two or three episodes in, that's when everybody comes out of the woodworks and just goes this show really sucks or they they've completely, you know, dropped the source material or are trying to do their own thing with it. I, I really want to see if this can become, you know, HBO's next springtime flagship show, right. Or maybe renewed for two, three, four more seasons. Is this something that, you know, will become the gold standard of video games turned into actual con- consumptuating TV shows or movies, right? Like, is this going to be the playbook for how other people are going to do it in the future? That's what I'm really excited to, to, you know, I, watch. I, I do want to know, like, I mean, if they go multiple seasons and Ben's saying the game's only eight chapters, this is nine episodes, whatever it is, then, like, then there is no source material. Then they're making right. stuff up. So, right. Do they Game at, of Thrones it? At do, that, they, do they DB Weiss the bitch? Yeah, we'll, we'll find out if they do that. But then I feel like that's when you lose people quick. Yes. That's when you say yeah. that soils everything else. Like, that's how, that's how I'm kind of looking at it. And uh, unlike George R.R. R. Martin, I think that Neil Druckmann kind of wants to be out ahead. Um, I think if mm-hmm. he's going to make, if he's going to make a third Last of Us game, and I haven't finished the second, so I don't know how plausible that is. Mm-hmm. I think he would want fans to first encounter that story through his game. Agreed. Um, as Agreed. involved as he is in the show, so I, I do think that there has to be a pretty like the end of the show has to pretty near after these nine episodes if if they don't call it at that point um but I, who knows with the the potential for spinoffs um the characters we meet along the way if this really is a mega success i'm sure they'll try to distill whatever storylines yeah. they can out of it yeah every last inch they'll try to milk for another episode or two or a spinoff show or some shit like that awesome. right it might, might go full walking dead where it's the Walking Dead. I don't think it's actually going to go this way, but The Walking Dead, Fear the Walking Dead, you know, stories of The Walking Dead where they're just like, let's do it. Let's just do it all. Fuck the comics. Let's let's keep rolling with it because people are going to watch. Yeah, I feel like that Walking Dead never ended. Um, no. But in terms of ending, I think that's a that's about it for the interview. Um, I do want to note Dune 2, Dune Part 2, excuse me, comes out November 3rd. Woo! Um, so we have 10 months. Um, cannot. Uh, I'm absolutely excited for this. So stoked! The first one was just beautiful, but nothing even crazy really happened. So can only it's the imagine. Setup. It yeah, was the it was setup such for the rest of the setup. series. Totally um, like, right? You talk to people that are like, "Yeah, it was kind of boring." I'm like, "You just don't appreciate good shit if you think it was boring because it's just the foundations of what could be quite the series and i bet the fellowship was boring to people who saw it before anything else right like right. i but without the fellowship we talked about this 
you don't nothing else you don't earn anything else you gotta watch part one and i thought part one was awesome anyway so ben that's a huge cup <laughs> well, i can't get up during the interview i gotta look no, right you gotta be, you gotta be 40 ready. ounces over here yeah, yeah. <laughs> stay hydrated bartholomew that's right <laughs> Um, all right, Ben. Well, thank you for coming on for a second time. Uh, we really appreciate the insight. Uh, me and Hunter, 60 minute style questions, hard hitting. Molly Quinn. Holly, what is it? Molly Quinn from I don't First know Take. that bitch. Don't know her. Um, no, you do not. <laughs> yeah, thank you for coming on, and hopefully we'll have you on again for Dune 2. Yeah, yeah, can't wait to talk about it. It's been a pleasure yet again. You better count on that, Ben. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Mr. Ooh. B. Uncle Bobby B, baby. Oh, oh, oh. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, were, you, Ben. Yes, thank you, Ben. You were phenomenal, man. I'm really, really happy to on. You're so insightful, so moving. I mean, you almost brought a tear to my eye. Let's see if that matches up. It always does. Uh, ben always knows what he's talking about, so I'm very glad he could come on and chat about The Last of Us because I think we're going to be along for a great journey with this television show. Yes, eight more weeks. Oh, it's a nine episode? It's a, it's, it's a niner. It's a niner. You know what? Yep. Um, I just finished the the first season of White Lotus. Um, didn't watch the second season yet. Just finished the first season. Six episodes. Not mad about it. Interesting. I liked it. Bites so did I. They didn't overdo it. They had the plot. They hammered it out. It was great. I've made this point before in the podcast. With TV shows becoming so big budget, so big deal, use the format. It doesn't have to be ten episodes. It doesn't have to be eight. It can be whatever the fuck works for your story and i think white lotus did it very well with six episodes my point i still love 10 though but yes well yeah but like if you don't have to drag it out if like you don't need to throw in three episodes just to have a filler just because it has to be 10 if you could do it in seven do it in seven well we're not selling commercials for nbc and abc anymore right so like you don't need to make your show eight seasons anymore right have to be like that true yeah okay cool last Uh, white lotus yeah great show um I will talk about it in the What Are You Watching segment. Uh, new graphics are out now. The Menu. Um, now on HBO Max, starring Anna yep. Taylor-Joy, Ralph mm. motherfucking Fiennes, um, and Nicholas Holt. Um, I don't want to explain this movie because there's no way, but basically a group of people come to a, a remote island to try this um, dinner. Extravagant this, dining experience. Thank you. Dining experience from a world-class chef. When things go rather wrong. Um, yes. So we will start spoiler free as we usually do give our score, go into spoilers. Um, first things first, my parents watched this movie because they are major listeners of the podcast, our number one fans. Woo! My, <laughs> my, <laughs> all, all designs to Ellen Arsenal, all designs. Yes. Logo artist. Thank you, mom. Um, <laughs> my mom every time she watches anything that's not extremely simple she'll say it was weird that was weird mm. and she'll get mm. into it later but her first thing is always that was weird mm. um she watched the menu and she said that was weird and i go you know mm. what mom incredibly valid this movie that was weird that was weird it was there's no other way to explain it that movie was a little weird but in it the, was know, it's like huh I liked it. Yeah, yeah, no, agreed. Um, really quickly, this is just for my own personal note here. 
if someone wants to comment in the section below, that'd be great. Is Ralph's name pronounced Ralph Fines? I feel like in some interviews I've heard him be called Ray Fines. Let me look. So I don't know if his last name is pronounced Fiennes, which is what I thought for the entirety of my life, or if it's literally pronounced Fines, like he is. He finds me, but no D. And also, oh, it's it's Hunter. You're right. It's Ralph Fines. Yeah. Okay. And then I also wanted to put this up here for the screen for everyone to see. I don't know. Don't ask me why I screenshotted this. I'm just looking out. Is this a copyright? Can you see that? Who is that? So PBS 12 Colorado, and I screenshotted it. I'll send you the photo. It's exactly our background. It is mm. without a doubt exactly our background. So I don't mm. know if we could sue PBS. I mean, we need to take money. them to let's, court. Let's get yeah. into it. Yeah. Say so we'll start doing ad reads for you, but you have to pay us like we get 10 million watches. <laughs> PBS 12. We got your back, but you better pay up. Yeah, you better pay up. All right, the menu. The menu. A weird yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spoiler um, free. Yeah, spoiler free. So genuinely, I watched the trailer for this one. I was like, huh, not sure. And then I got some early reviews back. And people are like, this is a horror comedy that doesn't take itself too seriously, right? Yeah. Uh, you can find that becoming very frustrating at times with horrors. Let's 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 not act like it's that serious, right? Correct. Um, this movie does a great balance of balancing the comedy, the suspense and horror. Um and horror. Then not taking itself too seriously. And I thought the characters were a great example of that. Like, you know, I hate to people, why don't they just run? Uh, right. Where, who? Where's the police? Who? Why doesn't he just kill him with the gun? You know. Right. This movie doesn't even allow you to think that because it's it's letting you know it's not that serious. It's not that serious. It's not that serious. And without giving spoilers, I will say that when I saw the trailers and heard the reviews, just like you, I had this thought in my mind of what the plot of the movie was going to be, and I'm not going to say that it was completely off, but it definitely the way that the plot shook out was definitely not what I expected this movie to be. I had a completely different idea of what was going to go down and how it was going to go down and the reasoning behind it. And I was very far off and I was pleasantly surprised that I was. No, I'm on the same page. I I had an understanding. Maybe someone told me, maybe someone just said that it was like this and it just, it wasn't, it wasn't that. Um, I think we can say it's not a spoiler from the trailer. I assumed that, the menu of the movie was a game where like the whole kitchen staff just hunted all these people on the island, like hunted them, like tried to kill them. That that's okay. what I thought was the movie. Like okay. they went for a dinner and they're like, this ain't no dinner. And they chased them and we're going to kill them. That was what I fucking thought was going to happen. Okay. I was thinking that um, they were all going to go there and I don't know how they would get there. Like if they were recommended there, if they're in a foreign country and they're like, Oh, tourists always go to this place for their dining experience. And the restaurant would like chop them up and serve them into dishes or something along those lines. Like, yeah. Oh, uh, like Jan- Janice went to the restroom and hasn't come back out. And then he comes out and he's like, meat pie course number one. And I'm like, that's peculiar. Yeah. Tell them the North remembers after they the North the meat pie. Yeah. His fingers uh, in there. Yeah, I, I guess the best pitch I would have for this movie, um, it's not actually scary. I, no. I don't want to. It's not a horror, more thriller esque. No. Yeah. Uh, there's thriller bits that keep you on the edge of your seat, but like, you know, me and Hunter, we're not the best at reviewing movies. I always try to sound smarter than I am, and it never works out. I always forget the words I'm trying to say. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, you cut down to the chase. Simply. Put it as simple as you can. This movie kicks ass. 
It's, yeah. a, it's a kick-ass movie. You have fun start to finish. And Great acting to complement yeah. it all the way through. Yeah, no, Anatella Joy, Ralph, Ray Fiennes. So Ray Fiennes. It, it says pronounced R-A-F, or sorry, R-A-Y-F, Fiennes. Yeah, yeah, Ray Fiennes. Yeah, that's what I thought. But Ralph Fiennes. He's still Ralph Fiennes in my heart. <laughs> um, you know what? And I tried talking about Knives Out. It pissed me off. The social commentary, the themes. The social commentary here is obvious, and I enjoyed it. I thought it was funny commentary. I thought they mm-hmm. did it well. And you don't need – it doesn't – this is my rant here. Ready? I look I'm ready. The, I look up the menu before this. Every fucking tube, YouTube, Google, the menu. X-Tube, <laughs> Pornhub. <laughs> Simpson stuff. Uh, <laughs> every time I look up the menu, it's the menu explained. That's the auto, the menu ending explained. It's the auto-generated thing. Yeah. Every fucking time. Guess what? Guess what? There's nothing to explain. That's what that's what I because I've noticed the same thing. It's not like Inception no. or some crazy twist movie. It's pretty it's pretty laid out for you. It is, but everyone. Uh, I was about to get into spoilers. Uh, spoilers. I'm not. Uh, yes. All right. I'll give my review and then I'll go my rant. Okay. Reset. Center. Don number. Dawson. Give me the number. You're actually up first. Your, I'm up first. Yeah. But okay. Yeah. Sorry to I end need, so abruptly. I, no, because no, I, I need to cool down. I need to cool down. Cool, you go. Drink, tea. drink your tea. Drink tea. your tea. Drink your tea. And crumpets. Tea. Um, okay. All the reasons Danny just said, right? Love the acting. It was a great story. Yada, yada, yada. Um, I gave it an 85. I gave it an 85. I, I thought it was... I'm coming in a lot lower than you, I assume. I'm giving it an 85. I'm, I'm giving it an 85. Um, nah. I, not to say I didn't like it. It's just... it's It's not a movie that I would overly buy all the time and, and rewatch yeah. it every time it's on most likely. But with that being said, I really did enjoy it. I wish I saw it in theaters. I'm really bummed that I didn't. The acting was great. The story was very cool. And I, I just loved kind of the satire it played into. And a buddy of mine at work today actually just finished white Lotus and watched the menu back to back days and watched glass onion as well. Cause he listens to the podcast. We just banged it all out. Very cool. His name is Chad. And up, he Chad? said, what up Chad? Uh, and he said that he watched all three of them together and all three, the white Lotus glass onion and the menu, which I thought was so insightful by him all kind of play on how dumb the rich can be and how kind of the working class just Damn. despises them or is cool to undermine. And that came out of nowhere, like absolutely nowhere. And he doesn't really get too deep into stuff. And I literally just looked at him. I was typing on my phone and he says that and I look up and I go, Whoa, I'm going to say that tonight. That was yeah very good connection you just made he goes it was wasn't it i'm like yeah it really was so no, all, I, three. all three all yeah, yeah all three all three maybe that's the year of 2023 is satires against the rich down eat with the rich. rich you know eat their blood you know drink yeah. them eat the rich um, um eat the rich but yes i gave him an 85 i also gave it an 85 um, wow so i wasn't that far off no that's or did you that just face. did you just no, change no, no, it no, now no, no. okay i was an 85 and I had a hard time with the score. I always have hard times with movie scores because Ex Machina got an 86. I think I might have put that one too low, which always set my gauge back. Yeah. Besides the point, this movie could have ranged from an 80 to a 90, honestly. Like Agreed. Whatever I was feeling. It really um, hit. I said it. This movie just kicks ass. It's fun. It's like, let's stop looking so deep into shit. Let's stop looking for answers in movies. It's good. 
You just enjoy it. it. Just enjoy yes. it. Just let's just let's just enjoy the movies and mm-hmm. stop asking stupid questions. This movie's funny. It's intense. Doesn't take itself too seriously. It's great acting. Like there's really not much more you could ask for. I didn't feel too long. It didn't feel too short. Like I felt all of the beats hit. I was in it from the end. I liked the ending. I loved all the characters. And you I were in it from the end. In it from the beginning. In it to okay. the end. Love the in it to the end. Yeah, you said. Yeah. In it. you said in it. I bet. In it fr- I bet. You said in, in it from the end. That's what you said. In it. From Listen, the end. I edit the podcast. I have to listen to my voice all the time. Sometimes I sound stupid. Sometimes I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, I have to deal with the consequences. I have to put these gray headphones on and listen to my voice all the time. You got to um, get immersed. Yeah. So when I stutter, when I don't speak clearly, that's on me. Eighty-five. <laughs> um, yeah, I loved all the characters. I loved all the points that each character was there to make. 85 throughout good movie you should watch it could it be higher absolutely good movie good movie good movie you should watch it okay now you want to end your rant are you still hot yeah i mean i i like now i'm feeling the sweats from it um, hot miami right so, <laughs> let's not look up the ending because they're spoilers spoilers they're a they're fucking s'mores don't look too deep and is there maybe a reason why there's s'mores that the creator wanted to make maybe is he gonna tell you no that's not the point of any art form any art form the whole point of any art form is for you to make decisions based off what is given to you you could think the s'mores means this you could think it means that that's up to you that's what makes movies good bad that's what makes paintings good bad that's what art simply is why the fuck are you looking it up just enjoy. It's funny as shit. There's chocolate melting on the face and she's eating a cheeseburger. I saw and a YouTube clip. It's I like, love you, this- chef. Yes. Yes. That's hilarious. It's hilarious. It's funny. It doesn't take itself too. I saw a YouTube thumbnail. It's like the small detail you miss with the cheeseburger. When she's eating, it's like, shut, shut the fuck up. Like, dude, she's, she's up. eating a burger. Clearly, shut he, the fuck up. He likes somebody's just asking for a regular cheeseburger. He's like, yeah, trying he, to let you live. It's, it's like, pretty right. clear. She touched his heart. Like, yeah. He, the, the theme of him hating what he's making for these rich people is very clear. He just wants to make something simple and put it yeah. in a brown paper bag and give it to someone who actually loves it. Yeah. Um, and to go off your smore point, which and I'd be curious if people that listen to this were thinking that way too of kind of reading into it. I feel like he explains it, right? As he's putting on like their s'more uniforms, he's like, and for the final course, like the ultimate snack that is an abomination to culinary arts and why you know cooking good food is dying is because people like processed cracker shit chocolate and this fluffy sugar heart clogger that is the s'more and that is my ultimate french kiss of you're all gonna die to just the worst piece of food ever and your camera's out of focus thank you Good eyes. No, you're right. He, he, I do remember that now. He does explain it. And it's like, I don't know. What, I think people just got so into it with the Marvel shit and all these big worlds where you want Easter eggs and Star Wars specifically. Yeah. And I do, right. for Star Wars, love to see the details because right. that's like a built-out world where yeah. the thing it's on part Mando's, of the mystery. Mando's shoulder does mean something, right? And that's cool. And same with Game of Thrones, right? There can be levels to watching those shows, right? You mm-hmm. can always learn more. His mom being drunk, I, I don't I don't fucking know. Chef's mom being drunk in the corner. I don't does he torture her? Him having grudges on all these people for random shit. College tuition. Do you have loans? 
yeah, 40K, you're going to die. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't have to. It's not fucking rocket science. It can just be funny. It can just be good. And that's what I thought this movie did really well. Let's not take ourselves too seriously here. Yeah, no, agreed. Cool. No, that was a nice little rant. You definitely, your cheeks got a little red there. You were puffing yeah, up. Yeah, I was, I was hot. I got a candle over here. I just drank some lemon souffle tea. I'm on fire. Souffle, chicken souvlaki. Um, cool. I wanted to bring up this point, which mm-hmm. I don't know if it's more of a point or more of just me wanting to talk about it, but the scene where the movie turns, I think is actually like, first off, backstory, Ray Fiennes kills it, right? I, I think bad. with, I think if it's another actor, I don't know if this movie is that good. I think just how like unnerving he is and just how he keeps his face. It's just, he reminds me of when he played uh, the guy in red dragon, that Hannibal movie, but uh, that dish where everything changed the mass, right? He comes out. This is the mass, (laughs) right? I mean, what a twist the dish right before they were eating the, (coughs) if I, if I remember correctly, they were eating like the little sauces and whatnot on the tray without the bread, right? You guys are too rich. You guys don't need bread. And then the chef comes out and it's, it seems cool for us. He's like, this is our star pupil. He's like, this is our star pupil, right? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, don't you want to be like me? And then it starts turning. He's like, but you're not that good, are you? And he's like, no, I'm not. He goes, no, chef. You burn things sometimes. He's like, yes, chef, I burn things. And he keeps going, he keeps going. He's like, do you want to do this anymore? He's like, no, chef. And then he goes, and without ado, I present you with the mess. And he just pulls it out. Bang. Like that was, that was, that's, I mean, that's ultimate switch flip, right? Ultimate. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. That that scene was like, if you had zero, whoa, clue, you know, if you had zero whoa. clue going in, if you didn't know a trailer, if you didn't know shit, am I at the right movie? Am I at the right movie? I, I thought this was John Favreau's Chef. Okay, no one told me it was. I thought this was the sequel. Yeah. No, I uh, I felt like um, the whole concept of this movie, that whole scene specifically, it, it was all just a big risk. Like, they, and they took it and they hit it right. How, how does this movie, if you explain this movie to someone, sounds stupid, doesn't make sense. Um, and I just thought, like, the whole idea of this whole dining experience going wrong was a risk. And they, they did it awesome. You're right. That the, the mess scene was the turning point and probably one of the best scenes in the movie. Yeah. Just like, and it was just how, like, unfazed the staff was, right? It's like, and I present you with the mess. And, like, the chefs behind the counter quickly close the curtains and he shoots himself. And then the two come out like in perfect, in perfect synchronization. They come out, they push it forward and they come out with the meal and it's, and it's half the people being like, that dude just killed himself. And then it's the food critic. That's like, wow, I've I've never seen immersion like that before. I mean, what acting? And it's like, dude, you guys are about to die. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, that's like the funny play right there is maybe someone would act like that. Probably not, but it's kind of funny to think that someone would be like, Oh, he really is a good chef. Like, who would put together this little scene right. for everyone? And and it, it reminds me of what I was trying to say about Knives Out. It's like the over characterization of these guys, right? Like uh Nicholas Holt, Tyler, Anna Tyler Joy's boyfriend is the guy who's obsessed with food. It's pretty clear what his trope is, what his message is. But he's so over the top. Right? He's so ridiculous, and that's why you can't hate this movie. That's why it doesn't take his seriously. He liked that the dude just killed himself. No right. one's like, would wow, what an artistic like expression. No. Right. But no. this over characters guy who was obsessed with the chef would. Um, so that's what kind of hits about these characters. Um, when you were talking right. about Ralph Fiennes or Ray Fiennes now that we're saying this. Ralph, Ralph Fiennes. You can call Ralph him Fiennes. Ralph Fiennes. Rife. 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 Um, uh, his sous chef, Elsa, or 
the Asian girl. Her name's Hung Chow. Um, she was amazing. I yeah. thought the one scene where she's like, that is a tortilla. And they're yeah. like, no, what is this? It is like, what's t- written on it? It tortilla. is a tortilla. Cornstarch, um, flour, yeah. <laughs> bread. And it's like, yo, it's my fucking bag statement. Right. She's so fucking funny in that. Um, and then like her whole obsession with chef and trying to kill on a Taylor joy. Cause he's liking her. I just thought throughout, she was awesome. And that scene, the tortilla was yeah. like, it's kind of iconic low key. It really was. She was eerie. She, she, she was up there with freakiness with the chef. Like that was definitely a little. Yeah, you're right. The, the word unnervy for Ralph Fiennes. Was, was he going to blow? Was he being serious? What's right. his ordeal? Right. Um, yeah. I love how he just like grudges on all those people too. The whole time. Yeah. How many times have you been here? 11. Like, can you just tell me one meal, one dish that I've served you over the last 11 times? And he's like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, and, and specifically like each table represented something that the director or creator of the movie thought is wrong with the current food industry situation, right? You got the mm-hmm. finance bros who are just rich and go to all these awesome, amazing meals and are douches about it. You have the dude who's way too obsessed with the chef and the food. You have the, the food critics. Um, you have the person who's always the, always at the restaurant goes too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like the actor where he's like kind of gassed it up. He's like, let me take you to an, let me take you to a nice meal. Me and the chefs are friends, right? Right. Like, he'll, he'll do it up for us. Right. So it's like, each table kind of represents some some piece of shit kind of person. And then you have Anna Taylor-Joy, who's not supposed to be there. Um, so I do really like that your friend brought up the point of like, it's the those three movies are all the working class kind of against the rich. Yeah. The yeah, servers, you know, getting yeah. back at the served. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is, it's interesting. No, because I, uh, I mean, I worked at a restaurant for like three months, right? Like, hand up. I was a chef for three Bobby. Months. Chef Bobby. Um, but there was a moment of realization one night when I was making pizza and it was Saturday night and I was so fucking busy. It was so loud. My fingers were burnt. Hands were cut. Tired of shit. Drinking Coke to stay alive. And there's just like drunk people up at the bar asking for shit. And it's like, I just like looked around. It's like, fuck all of you. Yeah. It's not fair, right? Yeah. And it's like some sort of exaggerated feeling that I have to make shit for them on Saturday night while I can't hang out with my friends. And all these people are drunk and they're eating. It's like, it's just something, my mind went insane. I was like, I was just imagining them biting the burgers or juices going everywhere. They're like, like yeah. drinking beer. It's like, the, right. like uh, Spirit they're Away when they turn to pig. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? It was yeah. so weird. I woke up the next day. I was like, that was wild. <laughs> what yeah, happened to no. me Saturday night? <laughs> I, I love that point because I think, I mean, it's not going to be it for everyone, but I think everybody really should do a stint in the restaurant business because it makes you appreciate everything so much more. Like I, for the most part, probably 90% of the time, will never get mad at a restaurant staff or if they have to remake my food or if they botched this or did that or whatever, because I've been there and I know what it's like to make an honest mistake or be so overwhelmed or so stressed out that you're just like, I'm fucking sorry, dude. Like yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I rang you in for pepper jack cheese instead of American. You know, like my other two table, all six of them wanted pepper jack. Like my apologies. Yeah. And every time, you know, it's like for fucking what? That's why I'm always. Oh, dude, you're good. You know, don't worry about it. Like it's fine. I get it. You know, it's just, it's that appreciation of working in it that makes you enjoy it so much more. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those things that everyone who's worked in restaurants, like you got to do it once, and like 
clear indication if a person's a piece of shit is like if they're at a restaurant, they're giving everyone a hard time. Right. I understand like, there's who- a time and place. There's situations. But like, let's not be dicks about it. If you bit a chicken bone, you let them know. All right. Yeah. Let, let them know. Let them know there's a bone in your mac and cheese. Fine. That's not an honest mistake. That's, you know, you can get that figured out. But like, dude, I'm sorry. There's a little bit of sauce touching your one slice of pizza. I know yes for no mm-hmm. sauce, but it's a fucking pizza. The sauce touches pizza. the crust. Relax. Relax. Uh, if you're the guy that says there's a hair in my food, I'll shoot you where you stand. Yeah. <laughs> Garcon. Garcon. There's a black hair in my food. Your hair's black, sir. That is not my hair. That's about three cubic centimeters. Okay. Mine come in abruptly at 2.5. And it's like, yeah. It, you'll die. You'll <laughs> die. Yeah. Wait till it's when I own the restaurant, you're going to become the mess boss. So, um, yeah. <laughs> you will be the you're, mess. The, you're the mess. You're the mess, my guy. Um, so I guess wrapping up the movie, um, yeah. I, do you want to just maybe last thoughts maybe about the ending? Because I did honestly enjoy the ending. Sometimes yeah. you can leave a movie. The ending can leave a stale taste and kind of soil the movie. I thought Anna Taylor-Joy trying to figure it out, trying to fit. You're always like, how does she escape? How does she not die? Everyone's yeah. going to fucking die. They make it clear. Everyone's going to die. She's not supposed to be there. How does she get out? She just kind of taps into that childhood feeling or that reason he became a chef because he likes to serve people right a lot of people like to give a lot of people like to cook for others it's a way of showing love a lot of people like thanks to Rachel. Serve. Mm-hmm. but it becomes to a point the whole point of the movie where it becomes too much you're ruining it for me i don't even want to do this for you so yeah. she kind of taps into that basic uh simple feeling of why you got into it cheeseburger in a bag and she's on the boat and eats it so like right i thought it was a beautiful ending yeah no so did i and I, I feel like there's also a point in the movie where you turn from how are all of them going to get out alive to how is how is Anya Taylor-Joy's character going to get out alive, right? right. Uh, how does Margot get out? Because, you know, through the first, once the mess happens and everything, you're like, oh, how are they going to escape, right? Who's going to die? Which ones are going to get out alive? And then when you find out, which another chef's kiss, and I have, another, I have one more chef's kiss after this. First chef's kiss is when you find out that um, Nicholas Holt's character, Tyler, that he knew the chef was like, I've corresponded with you. And I told you I was going to kill right. everyone here. Right. I told you I was going to kill everyone here, including like your ex-wife or girlfriend or whatever that is like deserving to die. And you still went ahead and not only brought another person, but hired some girl that is just doing her job to come here and die as well. Mm-hmm. And then that, that's when your whole head shifts and you're like, holy fuck, like she really doesn't deserve to be here. Right, like she's just not right. along for the ride and she's wrong place, wrong time. She's wrong place, wrong time and by completely wrong design. You know what I mean? Like No, absolutely. At, like that, uh, what is her name? The El- Elsa, right? Yeah. Elsa, is that? Yeah. Like Elsa, right when she's checking in, she goes, you're not on the list. You're not supposed to be here. And it's like, okay, like, fuck you. I can be wherever the fuck I want. And then you start to be like, you got to get out. And then he goes and hangs himself like just, just a fucking slave to the game. Right. Crazy. And then final chef's kiss. Sorry to go so fast here. Unless no, you wanted to elaborate no, on that. No, 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 okay. No, 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 no. Keep fine. Keep fine. The satirical piece, right. Where it doesn't take itself too seriously. I love how every time they presented the new meal, they showed like the quick slide with all the, they were like the mess, one chef, one handgun, like, and then it was like uh, beef cutlets, this, that, like this is the mess. And I remember watching like a cooking 
movie. Maybe it was Burnt with Bradley Cooper. I don't remember. Where it's like serious cooked movies will be like, all right, first course, first course. And then it's like the chicken parfait, right? And they come and then they show them serving it. It shows people eating them and you're like, please be good. But the way they do it, it's like every time it does it, it, it goes to lighthearted again for a little second. And then you go back into the movie and you're like, oh, that was kind of funny. All right, now we're back to people probably getting murdered. You know what I mean? It was right. just a little like a classic cheeseburger, two, two quarter ounce patties, two slices of American cheese, yes. fresh onions. And it's like, that's, that's just, that's just funny. Like that's just a, that's just a cool little tidbit. No, I, I absolutely loved when they did that in the movie. It made me feel good for a second. I was like, huh, they're getting a good meal here. This is actually a cool, cool dish. Or, right. And it goes back to the director, creator, whatever, uh, like kind of having that understanding of the feel of all of this, not taking yourself too seriously, blending all of the mixes of genres. And I, it worked perfectly in that situation specifically. Yeah, um, totally. I think we could we could probably bring up more shit as it comes up, but do you want to read some reviews? We're going to do a new bit. Yes. Um, where we find hilarious bad reviews for movies or even good reviews. But right now, Hunter has some bad ones. Uh, okay. Do you want me to go first? Yeah, yeah, go. Okay, this one is by Ruth Legion. One star review. One star. <laughs> it was insane. Aunt period, capital A in and. It was insane. And didn't make any sense unless you want to see suicides and murders and lots of blood and horror. It made me think of Donald Trump as the chef. It made me think of Donald Trump as the chef had a cult following who constantly needed praise or he found a way to punish those who misbehaved. Ruth Legion. Six people found it helpful. Six people agreed. Ruth Legion. What the? I, you just know the review doesn't make sense if Donald Trump's brought up. Right. Completely out of context. That's how you totally. know we're all lost. We're lost. Like, we're, we've lost it. We've lost it. Yeah. I like that one. All right, next. All right. Here's the second one I found. One star. I can't pronounce this name, but I'm going to try. A little segment side of a segment. Pronounce that name. This is Mahadia Hidiari. One star review. And the woke movie of the year goes to... She literally typed in drum roll and dot, dot, dot. <laughs> the menu is a second-rate rendition, it gets a little serious, of the triangle of sadness addressing class conflicts and inequity. Second-rate, though, does not quite cut it. One could say the lowest rate to do some justice. Okay. Who's it? Huh. I, th- I, just thought the, I just thought the beginning came in hot. No, they, and the they, woke movie of the year goes yeah. to... No, Drum no, no, no. roll, dot, this, dot, dot. This movie's, I wouldn't say it has any woke ideas at all in it. Um, <laughs> I don't even, I don't even know how that, I don't even know how that, I don't even know how that comes up. No, that person, that. that person is stupid rich and still lives off their parents' money. You know, that person, that person is so rich, but not because of that, because of someone else, right? Like that person. Right. Yeah. Delusional. <laughs> is that it? I like this. Yeah. Those are the two I had. I, I didn't find any good ones on Letterboxd, so I just pulled it up. I'll just read the beginning of one of this. Okay. <laughs> it's giving major fart, and it stinks. <laughs> Predictable as it tries to portray itself as a film that's mentally stimulating. There's a better way to say rich people aren't great. Is there a better way to say it? No. I don't know. Yeah. Mary Aslip. Well, I must say, I was pretty much gobsmacked by this movie. Walked out within 20 minutes. How do you leave a movie in 20 minutes? Dude, you're not even, it took, it took him 12 minutes to get to the island. What? You just, you sit there and out of Taylor Joy is like, he's like, put out your cigarette and you go, I'm fucking out of here. All right. 
put away your cigarette. I'm out of here. You know what else is funny? I saw a bunch of people leaving reviews after leaving early. You you can't leave a review if you didn't watch the fucking movie. You got no merit. You got no merit to do I so. I left two minutes in, and I read what happened at the end. So glad I didn't watch the movie. What? Maybe Shut that's uh, maybe I'll create an alias and just when new movies come up, be like walked out before the credits even ended. Complete bullshit. And just start writing that, you know? This goddamn woke movement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I literally this found goddamn one. Gallivant. I I literally found one that says, I watched five minutes or really maybe less. I can read nice. the and I'm gonna read the rest of the view. And that's I'm not hard. and I'm not sure they rode a boat to an island and then turned it off because I am that annoyed by the guy that Anna Taylor-Joy is with. I don't know what this movie was going to be about, but I hope he gets his head lobbed off. That's fair. He was insanely annoying. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I mean, uh, if anything, what a waste of money. You're probably paying 16 bucks for that ticket. Probably got a Coke. Probably got a cola, some popcorn. And you, you don't even make it past getting off the boat? Get a life. Um Oh my god! Since since we uh we did a two hour special last week, and the whole point of us doing the new podcast when we first started, there was supposed to be an hour long. Um, I'm gonna cut us off here for the reviews. This was awesome. Yeah, had a great time. Yeah, that was that was good. Yeah, that will become a regular bit. Um, we are flying off the over walls with ideas today. Um, so both got 85s. The menu now on 85 squared. HBO Max rated R. HBO Max. Minutes. The purple um, boy. The purple boy. Wah. Oh. Um, so let's do what are you watching? If you can clip that, I don't think you were looking at the screen, but I, I think I timed up. You said, what are you watching? And I timed up, I think at least in my peripherals going. We so you might be able fortune. to. Yeah. Um, so you might be able to maybe people be like, that's Dan's voice, but Hunter's talking. So just. You can look at Mikey. You can clip that. That's a clip. <laughs> That's a you snippy. Um, I think a... I had something to say, but I really don't remember at all. So you want to? How tell about me... you go ahead and do the truffle shuffle for us? <laughs> no, what's the kid's Come name? Come on, how about you get up and dance? No, Casper. Just everyone will think it's Jasper. Fun, Jasper. Oh, it's not Casper. No, not it's the ghost. been Jasper. It's been, no, not the ghost. He looks like it though. I know, like I know, I know, but man, I know. he's got a pet. He's got a pet gerbil named uh, Kimchi. It's not fair for me to record at eleven o'clock. It's not fair. I'm allowed to say shit like Casper instead of Jasper. It's the witching hour. It's the witching hour. What's his What's his gerbil's name? Kimchi. Kimchi. It's always the like weird pale kids who are way too into Asian culture. Mm-hmm. They're like way too into it. You know, it's right. Like, you're like my name is my name is Dylan Frank and this is my dog Katsuyama Shigo you know and you're like oh did you like, see dude. my parakeet named Chopstick that was the yeah. most creative thing you can think of boss he goes yeah I eat rice every night for dinner why like why it's like yo we're in high school yo what's your mom make you for lunch I custom made myself some sushi rolls and I'm going to eat them with my like Tai Chi chopsticks he's got his own like, custom chopsticks like chill out right like, he's got the little box and it's like dude my culture is not your costume. Ooh, killer. So in terms Continue. of what I'm watching, I did watch most of Strange World. It was awful. Um, it was really bad. It was. Not being dramatic. Like, the whole movie was bad. Um, did I say I watched Captain Fantastic last week? No. I wanted to mention that with Viggo Mortensen. Um, okay. I don't remember. I think it's on. It's actually on HBO. 
Okay. What, what a cool story. Um, Vigo has a bunch of kids and his wife dies and they like live in the middle of the woods. And he's like, these kids don't go to school. They're not acclimated with the real world. And then the mom and the wife dies. So they have to go into the real world and kind of figure shit out. Mm-hmm. Um, good, heartfelt, um, good moving story, funny, heartfelt, all the good stuff. Vigo Mortensen. Okay. Vigo. Love Vigo. Green book. Yeah, couldn't recommend enough. Um, Sabres just uh, blew the lead with 50 seconds left, if you care. That's tough. That hurts. Looks like they're going to overtime with last well, we'll get that. We'll get this episode done for you. Um, okay. I watched White Lotus no, Season 1. No, no pressure. No pressure. White Lotus Season 1, six episodes. Um, I really liked it. I wasn't mind blown by it. I want to say that. I wasn't like, whoa, best show ever. I really did like White Lotus Season 1. I thought it was the perfect example. I thought this is what I thought it did the best. All of these stories on the same resort progressed beautifully over six uh, episodes mm-hmm. and they just crossed. They just blended enough. None, it never was a force where the stories just no. smashed together. They once in a while just crossed to remind you we're all in the same world. I thought that was beautifully done. Everyone was funny. So did I. Everyone was just, a piece of just shit. Just a chaotic experience. Just, it was. Just, it was just yeah. people losing their marbles. That's all it is. Just just people getting pissed off. Exactly. Just, just a bad day on the job. You know? Could happen to anyone. And we and, and one of those shows, you want to look up the ending? Nothing to look up, boss. The kid stayed in Hawaii. Yeah. Uh, Armand, spoiler, spoiler, dies. He gets stabbed. The Alex D'Addario goes back with her shitty husband. Why? Yeah, I don't fucking no. Yeah, um, that's just how it is. They're just real people, you know. It's real really people. nothing. It's nothing blown out of proportion. They're just real people. Yeah, people make mistakes. People are bad. People have good sides. Um, I also one last thing about it. I thought they did a good job of like when there be arguments in terms of like commentary or social commentary. They showed both sides every time. Yeah, there was arguments from both sides, and both would always make good points. I'm like. You're right. They're so oppressive. And like they're just having fun of a kid. It was like all this shit. And I was like back and forth. Yeah. So I thought that was a good like balance. Find yourself in the middle. Don't take one side or the other. Right. No, uh, very, very, I don't even know the word, very insightful of you. Agreed. Right. It's like maybe somebody is probably more wrong than the other, but Correct. it's like I can't fault them for saying what they're saying. You know, that's just who they are. Right. It's like, and that is a good point. So I like that. Okay. Um, yeah. So I actually definitely enjoyed the six episodes. Um, watched The Last of Us. Um, and I haven't watched a movie since last week since we recorded. So, okay, no movie. Um, but yeah, those are my okay. three, I guess. I like that. Um, oh, wait, I watched sorry. the. I watched, I started Breakpoint on Netflix. Okay. Um, the Drive to Survive Netflix documentary yes. style following the tennis players. Hopefully, with Frankie Muniz in it. Okay. Uh, well, they're doing the new NASCAR drive to survive, and Frankie Muniz said he's going to be a NASCAR driver. So, oh, really? Would like would like to see him be on the center stage. Yeah, quick quick movie news. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Yes, um, didn't didn't consume a lot of media as well. This weekend was uh, uh, NFL playoffs. I was out on the town gambling. Um, a buddy of mine did just win twenty grand. Shout out Argentina. Um, but I watched The Last of Us, of course. I watched The Pale Blue Eye on Netflix, starring yeah. Christian Bale and it? Henry. Oh, what is his name from Harry Potter? Oh, it's gonna drive me crazy. Um, oh my god, I'm so sorry, Mikey. You should have been here, Mikey. And Harry Melling from Harry Potter. Uh, he plays Edgar Allan Poe in it. He is 
uh, Dudley Dursley from the <laughs> Harry Potter series, and he's nice. in the Queen's Gambit. I enjoyed it. I I had bad expectations coming into it. Okay. It just seemed like one of those movies that tried to be really good and was cheesy and it was pretty predictable and it was just going to be like whatever and then boom, Christian Bale's in it. So it's like, it's not going to be the worst thing in the world. I was very pleasantly surprised and I was hooked and I watched it with my lights off and Henry Melling, you heard it here. I think he's on the watch list for upcoming actors. Okay. The last three projects he's done have been in the last, or three or four projects he's done have been in the last like three years consecutively. And they've all been pretty, pretty solid, um, pretty solid freaking movies that he's done. So okay. I, I think he's a great actor. He plays a young Edgar Allan Poe. Christian Bale is Christian Bale. He really can't go wrong. Great film, you know, solid. Definitely should cool. watch it. Great and solid on one. So check it out. And then I watched The Pale Blue Eye and I sat there and I go, wow, I haven't had like a TV show to watch in some time now. White Lotus really quick, you know, so Rachel and I polished that off in a couple days. And so I went on Paramount Plus, thank you, TJ. And I started The Halo Show, which I don't know if you're familiar, is another show based off a video game, mm-hmm. um, an Xbox, Bungie, Microsoft game. And same thing, low expectations, but... I think Halo is one of their flagship shows when they really launched Paramount Plus. It came with like, and we're also doing this. And you could just tell that the budget is through the roof. I mean, in each scene, thousands of, not thousands, of course, but, you know, a good 100, 200 extras, a lot of machinery, like very practical driving cars, and the effects are out the ass. And I'm not watching it to be like, wow, this is the show of the century. I'm watching it because I like the Halo video games and I think it could be a pretty cool show to actually see a live adaptation. Nerd. So yeah, nerd. And yeah, that's really all I watched. I kind of want to start The Wire. Uh, we'll see how we go. All right, cool. Um, so I, w- I want to implement this. I forgot. Um, for what are you watching? The buy, rent, skip scale? Yeah. Um, so would you buy, obviously, that has the rewatchability. You want it in your DVD shelf, rent? It's good. It's fine. I rented it, watched it one night, skip. I don't want to touch it again. So um, what would you uh, buy rent skip on your your two two or three things you watched? Am I buy rent skipping on the menu as well or no? Nah, just just pale blue eye. Well, I would rent the pale blue eye. I would rent, rent that. It doesn't that doesn't need to be in my in my DVD chest, but if that was ever on cable television, check it out. You know, if it leaves the streaming service and comes back in two years, probably check it out. Gotcha. Halo? Oh, you just started. I'm not done yet. Not done. Mm. Three episodes right. in. Fair enough. Maybe I'll skip the graphic for this because we didn't watch that much. Okay. People don't need to know. People who've made it this far, God bless. God bless, God bless you. This... God bless you. All right. I am ready to wrap this up, and we need to keep Ben tight on the interview, even though he's already on the episode, because we can't have another two-hour holiday special. No, um, there's, my... there's no lo- Sabres just lost in overtime, Braves. They blew a 3-1 lead to the worst team in the NHL. Who, the Coyotes? Who's the worst team? No Blackhawks. Really? One um, of them. I have a quote. Hit me with before it. You, before, you stew, before you tweet. Before you okay. tweet. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Not racially charged. I just saw you grab the phone. You like charged up for a second. That's, that's cool. Um, this is from Mr. Anthony Bourdain, the late Anthony Bourdain, R.E.P. Um, food is everything we are. It's an extension of nationalist feeling, ethnic feeling, your personal history, your province, your region, your tribe, your grandma. It's inseparable from those from the get-go. 
Anthony Bourdain. Food is everything Good. we are. Good. Um, very yes, on par. Very on par with the show that we watched today. You know how it's I do so it. So loud. It just echoed. So loud. Yes, very on par. Um, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. If you tuned in, hopefully we'll have some ad reads next week to spice it up. <laughs> no, we will. Thank you. We will. Thank you, Ben. <laughs> Dildos, right? Um, thank Fleshlights. Thank you, AK-47s. You know, go to your local dealer at WWW. All right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Ben, for coming on the podcast. You were great. Always a treat to have you on. And uh, looking forward to talking to everybody next week. As always, you can't eat your pudding unless you eat your meat. Mm-hmm. Thank you.